welcome to a brand new episode of the Coffee Protocol podcast. This is your host Varistan Bike, coffee consultant and educator. This week we have yet another interesting episode. Of course it is about and around coffee, but the take on coffee this time is very different. It's from the perspective of how health plays a very important role in our lives and yeah, a lot of other interesting stuff which I do not want to talk to you about. I want Catherine, who is the guest on this podcast in this episode, I want her to talk a lot about what she is doing. And When you say that, you know, you are consuming the right kind of food, what kind of change are we talking about here? I was a carnivore. I was a straight up carnivore. I did become vegetarian at, at a point. But that Even... does not make sense to a layman. Exactly. People change. Isn't this also what we call as the acquired taste? That's a really hard one to crack. <laughs> well, my name is Catherine Ganapathy, mm -hmm. and I guess you can tell from my voice, my accent, I'm not from India. I was born and raised in Canada, Vancouver, which is on the West Coast. And a bit about me to explain going from Canada to India. My father's actually from Kur. He was born in Singapore. And my grandfather, he was a historian, a writer, an author. Okay. And he wrote a lot about Kur, Karnataka, India, and his writings brought him to different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. So my father's side of the family went from Ethiopia to England and then finally settled in Canada. And my parents met in university at Simon Fraser University. And so first my elder sister came, then my elder brother, and then I'm the youngest of three. Okay. Right. So, yeah, that's a bit about me. And going from, from Canada, I started my digital marketing career there. Okay. That's that was my, I guess you could say, past life before getting into okay. coffee. Okay. Um, and I started there and my work um, had an opportunity. I actually sought an opportunity to move to Singapore and do digital marketing there as well. Mm -hmm. And that allowed me to spend more time um, visiting family in India because my father had actually moved back to Mysore. Okay. Um, he's been back for about 20 years now, maybe more than 20 years. And so being in Singapore allowed me to come to India, see family, extended family a lot more often. And I moved to Mysore two, two plus years back. Okay, that's pretty recent comparative. Yeah, yeah. to the time in, to time in Canada and Singapore, the most recent, the shortest time so far is in Mysore. But uh, I am calling India home now. So it's just a matter of time that it'll be the longest place I've stayed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
let's definitely hope for that that's a lot of travel it's 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 sort of a lot of travel uh, similar to how how probably coffee started the journey as well right like from one country to another and then up to a lot of different places cool right. that, that does sounds interesting and definitely filled with a lot of stories as well uh, with every place that you've uh, stayed or lived for uh, i'm sure and it must be interesting tell us a little about your company that you run right so i guess uh, the this the story about the company kind of starts with a story about me i'm sure a lot of people it kind of happens this way as well where back in vancouver and and i really got into it in singapore i i kind of got into the experimental scientific curiosity side of what was going on with my health and okay. my relationship with food okay and the company i i should say it's not just coffee i'm i'm a food trader mm-hmm. so import and export of different food items and it happens that i started with coffee okay. and so because i changed my relationship with with food i had a lot of success in what i observed and trialed and made incremental changes for and the success that i found was through monitoring a lot of ailments that i i had um i did a lot of athletics i still do um okay. quite a- athletic I'm a, a lot of passion and interest in sports and team sports and i would many times just attribute some of the pains and health ailments i had to being too intense in sports but when i really started to look at the way that i was eating and and pay more attention to my anatomy the biology the chemistry of it all and i started making changes i realized that i could repair and heal a lot of the ailments physical ailments that i had from from gut problems to chronic fatigue locked jaw migraine headaches um gout, the getting the beginnings of gout was like the worst of what i had and i would say the fatigue the chronic fatigue was really really bad as well so once i started to see improvement in those things and i got some success in that and i did it a lot through food i started to think about how i could contribute and give back and the idea that i had was well i guess i started looking at the problems that i faced and it was really hard to access good naturally grown food um in the city in the grocery stores it was hard to read the labels it was really confusing to understand what was correct for my body to to have and i had i spent a lot of time working on that so i wanted my business to be about that giving people more options more opportunity to access good good food and then it started with coffee because of the connection with family and and it then moved on to specialty coffee and i think there's a nice relationship like a really nice natural connection and relationship between what i was doing being curious and experimenting and trialing mm-hmm. with the specialty coffee industry and you could also say other kind of food and beverage industries as well like wine um where you can get really technical you can you can really look into how things are grown look at the varietals really examine the aromas the flavors um and obviously a lot of specialty coffee takes after 
or just has a lot of similarities to the wine industry as, as well when it comes to the specialty side of things. And, and it was just a nice fit. Um, and you can even see kind of, I think with your experience as well, like being on Instagram and seeing all the, the trials that people are doing, all the experience experiments that people are doing and how much sharing is going on and it's really great for for the community mm -hmm. um, to be that way um and yeah so what i was doing with food and health just mm -hmm. happened to be like a really nice fit with specialty coffee and i think it comes from this real big passion and curiosity to find out why things work the way they do mm -hmm and improve it and essentially just put a really good cup of coffee on the table at the end of the day. Wow, that does make a lot of sense now, the way you put it down. Uh, a, a quick question though. So you did say that when you change uh, your food habits, mm -hmm. it, um, I mean, in all the sense that you've mentioned, it did show into how your health reacted to it, correct? Right. So when you said, or when you say that, you know, you are consuming the right kind of food, what kind of change are we talking about here? Sure. So I can give you some examples from my experience. And, and I'll preface this by saying, just like with a coffee roast or a coffee brew, there's no one formula or one right recipe. Okay. Every coffee, every plant is different. It's grown differently. There's so many variables, so many factors. And with people as well, everyone's constitution is different. The environment that they've been exposed to is different. So what worked for me, um, I'm sure generally some people can take something away from it, but it, it isn't like a, a set formula. Um, so I, I had a very acidic diet. I was, I was eating unknowingly. Um, foods that produced a lot of acidity in, in my body. And one entry point for me that was kind of an easy transition into understanding um, how this worked and be able to see results within like a month, a few months, was looking wow. at my, my pH balance. And so I went and found a pH balance food chart, which basically shows you the alkaline to acidic levels. And underneath that, it's got all the different food groups below. And from grains to drinks to vegetables, uh, legumes, um, and dairy, all of those kind of items, it, it groups it together and shows you items within those food groups and where they sit on the pH chart. And when I looked at that, I could look at one column and see my entire diet. And that column was the, the most acidic side of the chart. <laughs> wow. And I said, okay, so why don't I just start there? How, how about I, I start introducing alkaline foods? I start reducing acidic producing foods. And that just took me into such an interesting path, like foods that were apparently to me acidic, like lemons and limes, were actually in the alkaline section because once they interact with your body, they actually produce alkaline. But that Even, does not make sense to a layman. Exactly. So little minor changes like that for me being a layman was an easy entry. I, I was able to make those changes 
and kind of put it into a routine that um, that fit into my schedule. I couldn't really make excuses about it. It made sense. Um, I could introduce it into like my breakfast, my lunch, snacks, drinks, and and make those changes here and there. Um, you could do it gradually. I decided to try to, I wouldn't say cold turkey, but I tried to make the switch as aggressively as possible and tried okay. to eliminate as many of the acidic foods as possible and okay. introduce more alkaline so that my more severe ailments, I could see if, if it would help with that. And, and I, I did, like I would journal as well. I would draw um, charts of myself and I would pinpoint where all my pains and chronic pains were happening, whether it was like a migraine headache every day at a certain time, or if I, um, if I crashed once a day, let's say at 3 p.m. after lunch, I would like just crash and take a nap. Um, things like that, I would chart it out. And gradually over time, like three months, four months, that chart would change. I would start right. to get energy levels back instead of crashing and wanting to fall asleep every day. Um, it happened every other day. And then it changed to weekly. And then it changed to having energy pretty much every day and those crashes reducing enough that I knew that the switch was working. Okay. So pH was just one way of looking at things. Um, and once I got the hang of that, then I started making other changes beyond that. Okay. Just out of curiosity, could you uh, name, I'm sure there'll be more layman people listening to this podcast. Could mm -hmm. you name a couple of the most acidic food that we consume in general and a couple of most alkaline food that we consume in general? Uh, in general, um, most acidic is going to be like your red meat um, and your shellfish. Um, okay. What else? That's just off the top of my head. And, and those were ones that like, I was a carnivore. I was a straight up carnivore growing okay. up and, and I ate lots of meat, but I ate it excessively. Like, vegetables weren't really part of my diet okay. so to speak and and it, it was just too extreme and and it's not to say that there's anything wrong with eating meat mm -hmm. or seafood or shellfish it was just that i i ate it excessively and so okay. there's just too much acidity there wasn't balance in what i was doing and okay. and there's a reason like this is the the meaning behind eat things in moderation because you're okay. you're going out of out of balance um Alkaline foods that are obvious, I would say, obviously, it's going to be a lot of like green leafy vegetables, broccoli is going to be one that you could have often. Um, like I said, the lemons and limes are very much alkaline producing as well. So those are some some common ones. There's a lot of others, but mostly your veg. And then you can have um, uh, cold water fish as well. Okay. So your, your white fishes. Um, those, those are good. They're not the most alkaline, but they are like medium or low alkaline. So I did become vegetarian at, at a point, but fish was the last thing that I, I cut out because it did produce alkaline for me. Wow. I would have never like come to like, you know, in this knowledge that, that, uh, red meat is supposed to be acidic. I, I, I never gave a thought to it. And I'm sure a lot of people do not give a thought to it unless and until they are asked to look into it or 
there is some significant event that leads you to be checking what you're eating in terms of the pH. I mean, I, I have never looked into the pH of the food that I've consumed. Never, ever right. did that. Right, right. Yeah. And and you you just aim to get to a point where you find that find that balance. So when I had my ailments start to improve, mm-hmm. then it got to a point where I said, okay, well, what can I introduce back in? Now I can make sure I have a bit of everything because, okay. because I still need acids in my body, right? Like I still, still need to feed that kind of nutrition. And then the meats, they also have other types of nutrition in it that I don't want to completely exclude. Mm-hmm. from from my diet um so for me it was more of like kick the addiction first like let's okay. get off the addiction of always craving acidic foods and then once i get that balance and i can start to introduce everything back into okay. my diet that that does make it's like i don't know i mean um it is more like you know getting to a healthier lifestyle in general mm-hmm. uh, i mean that's the simplest way how most physicians or doctors even say that you know as coming back to what you said and having everything in moderation is basically trying to make sure that you're not going extreme on any end. Right. Correct. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So coming back to your company, what is the name of your company? How and Kodama. And how did you come up with this name? Right. So Food for Health was the inspiration for it, but a lot of my own kind of passions and and inspirations I I drew on as well and so from the food and health side I felt like my experience the one constant thing that I could trust and needed to lean on that my body was telling me what it needed Uh, even with the ailments so even the bad stuff it was telling me hey something's going on something's wrong you need to listen to your body it's going to tell you what it needs what it doesn't need and Again, I, I think this lends itself well to the specialty coffee industry. You use your senses. The, the more you are able to use your olfactory senses, your tongue, your palate to sense certain things, you can taste those aromas. You can taste those. Sorry, you can smell the aromas. You can taste the flavors um, and you can become a Q grader. You can become a barista. You can do a lot of things. It's it's your bodily senses that that help you there. And and. I felt like my body for years was howling at me to get back on track. So when that name popped into my head, I liked it because one, it was simple and it had meaning to it, but it, but it's a very common word as well. Howl, like it's, it's just a simple, regular word that people wouldn't really um, think twice about. Uh, but the reason it had a lot of meaning for me is because I'm a big Studio Ghibli fan. Hayao Miyazaki is the creator of Studio Ghibli and many of the films. And he's got one film called Howl's Moving Castle. And that is one of my favorite films of, of his making. And all of his themes have to do with uh, taking charge of your life, man and nature, um, balance in the world, uh, working towards kind of like a betterment, a, a, a good kind of passion. And, mm-hmm. and he always tells stories in a very balanced, balanced way. Um, and he has a collection of characters 
that all play such a good role. And, and there's just a lot of meaning in his movie. So if you haven't watched any Studio Ghibli movies or Hayao Miyazaki's work, please do. You can start <laughs> with Howl's Moving Castle. So th- that's where Howl came from. Your body's okay. howl- howling at you. And then um, I wanted to add, add an extra piece to it that kind of connected back to the land. And I think this is really important because I was getting the food, getting the crops and the items from India. I think there's just such a wealth and depth of knowledge and tradition and culture. Um, and it comes with being part of the land and farming. Um, and so I wanted to have a bit of that as well. Kodama means forest spirit, which also right. comes from the, the Ghibli movies. It actually comes from Princess Mononoke, which is another one of Miyazaki's films. And so that's where the two came together. So I decided to combine it, Hal and Kodama. Sweet. That is definitely, an, I would say, one of the most interesting uh, stories behind a name kept for a company. And um, to me, at the first instance, it was more intriguing than anything else because by itself, it's, okay, I need to really ask why this name? Because this, I mean, of course, howl by itself, the word is, it's, it's a very normal word. Yeah. But when you keep it for a company, and it's howl and korma, okay, I need to really ask this question. Why did you, I mean, and I, I don't know for a lot of people, but for me, a very unique or very interesting or a very personal name. Normally, it's a very good conversation starter. And um, and then you really understand the relationship between the thought behind the name and the thought uh, how you associate with whatever work that you're doing. And I think this is pretty, pretty interesting. And um, to be very honest, it's pretty cool. All right. Thanks. <laughs> you please... Thanks. Um, Watch some of the films and let me know what you think later. Because I will, I, I will do that. I will get the name from you and I'll put it yeah. down in the show notes as well. If somebody would like to uh, watch it, yeah, I, I give a lot of credit to my teachers, my mentors, inspiration that I get around. I think I learned a lot from watching his films, um, and he he's got good morals to the stories, got a lot of depth in the characters. So I want to give a nod to Miyazaki because because he definitely deserves it and and I think you know people become who they are because of the the mentors the inspirations the teachers right. the friends the family around them right. so yeah it's it all comes from there yeah everybody has that influence everybody's mm-hmm. presence and influence howls at us right like you know yeah exactly how you're gonna absorb wow I'm getting creative okay cool <laughs> uh, now coming back to your company right. and when did you start this company? 2017. I first started it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And I was and in Singapore. In at Singapore. The time. Okay, yeah. cool. So when you started this company and when you were like in that initial mode of starting up and setting everything up, did you think over what exactly is the goal going to be for the company? And if you did, what was it? Right. The the main goal was give access to people. I I want to find these farmers who are dedicated to their craft, to their agriculture, to um, the you know their passion, their their family. A lot of the farmers are fat, you know they're doing it with family, um, and 
to to something they dedicate their lives to and and bridging that gap between the people who are struggling to get the good food that they're looking for for their health mm-hmm. um and and really try to kind of close that gap and give access to both both sides give okay. a channel for the farmers give a channel for for the customers and bridge that gap so that's how food trading came to be okay. and and I would say what it kind of grew into it, this wasn't in my mind from the beginning I it kind of developed along the way I think it just naturally fit and I discovered it later yeah. <laughs> that it is a contribution to I think like the small medium business economy that that's where a lot of the work happens that's where a lot of the work and scale is a collection of small and medium businesses really keeps economies going the the world over and it it is you know people's individual choices in their homes to go to the shop down down the road um, to be able to find and access food to bring into their homes to cook with um, that's natural that's sustainable and it's just kind of what makes things tick so I'm finding more and more it's it's not just about connecting farmers to customers it's about having a sustainable thriving kind of economy that's built on small and medium businesses so I really I really like this this space and I'm I'm happy to contribute to it and it's really great to to connect with all the farmers in India and and be able to deliver their food to the world okay fair enough but and and when you like for example so when you are doing this work of getting whatever a dedicated farmer is producing mm-hmm. and delivering it to uh, your customers wherever in the world they are mm-hmm. do you look for something in specific in those farmers that you work with yeah i i would say that that i look out for people who are dedicated to their craft um that that in i think not just farmers but in any industry anybody kind of doing their livelihood running their business you know making their income um that that they kind of have like this dedication to the craft to the precision the science the art um being able to kind of experiment and trial and and i think that that starting in coffee and specialty coffee and specialty farming um it's it it was a good fit for me because that's how i approach the health aspect of it um was kind of like that dedication to figuring out why things work the way they do and and what can i experiment trial with to better myself but also to share to share with others and i think that if you just remove the word specialty and you just look for farmers that are you know just dedicated people that really care about it you can find so you can find so many of them there there like it, it's just good dedicated farming um and there's a lot of people to talk to about that so i i really enjoy it and it's it's a good fit and i feel quite 
fortunate to have started in coffee first because it's a really great community of, of people from the farmers to talking to people down the line, the curing works, the roasters, the equipment dealers, the baristas, the cafe owners. Um, it's, it's a lot of people are just working towards getting good coffee out there. And, and it starts with the farmers. They really care right. about the plants. They really care about the land and the soil and the water source. And so if I'm able to have that connection with them and just talk about what they love to do and be able to help them and encourage them um, and contribute to allowing them to do more of that and it's a good fit and a good relationship, then it's, yeah, it's it's a wonderful thing. So that that's the kind of farmer I look for. I, I would say. Interestingly, interestingly, you did brush up on something, and that's exactly what I was going to ask you. Specialty, the word specialty. I don't know exactly how you feel about it, but I, I feel in the current scenario, in the current times, I think specialty is a very, sadly, a very loosely used term. Mm -hmm. It is it is a term that has almost become how loosely the word organic is used or yeah. how loosely the word uh, sustainable is used because I don't think a lot of end consumers know a they do not know the definition or the meaning of these words individually um, and and everybody even in the industry everybody has their own definition for what specialty is what is specialty to you like when we talk about specialty coffee I would say that it's it's a motivation you see in someone to really care and go that kind of extra length to put a really good cup of coffee out there for customers, whichever part they play in it. Um, and I, I just rattled off, you know, so many roles of people working in coffee. Um, it, I, th I think that's the difference, that kind of motivation and endurance to keep going and, and try new things. Um, uh, go back to basics if that's what it takes um, and do a combination of things, but always just be curious to say, okay, but like there's all these variables, all these environmental factors, all of these new innovations coming in. What is the right combination? What's the right fit for this coffee to be as good as it can be so that people have a good cup of coffee to drink and experience at the end of the day? And it's it's an attitude. It's it's um it's an approach. It's it's relationships. It's something you see in the community where people are just working well together to all kind of do that. I, I want to say in harmony, but it, it's it's not harmonious. It's like there's a lot of trials and tribulations. There's a lot oh, yeah. of disturbances. There's a lot of <laughs> rough times. It takes a lot of discipline and and hard hard work. So. Um, I, I think, I think, it, yeah, it, it's just a, a feeling that you get in someone where you kind of see that motivation and, and care in them and you work towards specialty coffee together. It, it's not a set formulaic thing that you can say, Hey, this is specialty coffee. You just follow, <laughs> follow these steps and you have specialty coffee. It, it isn't that because it's always going to keep on evolving and changing because the yeah. environment, environment changes, all the variables change, yeah. people change. So you kind yeah. of roll with the punches. I, 
I loved the fact that you did not even mention the scoring system. Right. Because I, I mean, I feel that speciality is way beyond that. Uh, the reason why the scoring system started was for a very different reason. And um, I think, I think special, I, I feel that if somebody is like really putting his or her heart and soul in producing that, the best quality of coffee that he and he or she can produce going through that pain the entire year and maybe one one of the lot scores 83 one scores 79 it but he has put in the same heart and soul in all both of the coffees mm-hmm. right i mean mm-hmm. so i kind of uh, i i feel that specialty is more than just that scoreboard it's yeah. it's so much more because there is this farmer who's doing so many different things, taking so many risks and um, doing so many things. And, and as you said, everybody in that value chain of coffee, right from the farmer and all the way up till um, the barista is brewing the coffee. And there's so many things that can go wrong and often does yeah. go wrong. But then so there's so many times that you take care and you're so careful and you're so cautious and you're so precise about so many things just so that the person at the other end of the chain who is paying for that one cup of coffee says that this cup of coffee is good. And, right. and I think, I think specialty is like, so I, I really love uh, the way that you explained. I, I think it's just pretty similar to what I think. And, uh, and, and, and I know a lot of other people in the industry think likewise as well, which is good. I think more people should have this inclusive vision of what good coffee or let's say just good coffee is and uh, using specialty in, in the right sense of its. Yeah. Anyways. So I, I, take... I can totally build on what you're saying. I, I feel like we use a catch all word speciality to, to kind of, connect us all internationally right so there's that word but another word comes up and I think is commonly used um, is sustainability and and it isn't just about sustainability in in the ecosystem and the environment I think it's about sustainability all the way through if you're putting in all that effort to try to produce the best cup of cup of coffee with the conditions that that you have um, and like you said, one lot scores an 83 and one lot sco- scores a, a 79. When you're working with a specialty industry, sustainability is really important. And they're not going to drop you because one scored a 79 this, this year. They're going to recognize the effort and the care that was put in and say, hey, we're going to find a way to get this through. Got a 79 this right. year, but that's okay. Next year, you're. let's talk about what can be done. Let's talk about how we can all contribute um, and try to get that score back up. Or 79 is okay. (laughs) It it can be okay. And we can make it work. We can adjust things. We can adjust our marketing. We can can negotiate things in a different way. Let's make it a sustainable relationship as as well. So you can bounce back and, and keep on putting this care in. Because if we drop everybody that you know scores under 80 how and and again like like I said it's contributing to the small and medium business economy is really important for for me and I think for specialty industry like specialty 
is 1% of the larger coffee industry. Exactly. We are small and medium business by, by nature. And yeah. we need to find a way to be sustainable in that all the way through. So I don't think it's as simple as the higher, higher of a score, the better it is, the lower score, the worse it is. And everything just follows this one formula. Correct, um, correct. It, there's so much in a relationship and there's so much in making things sustainable for everybody to, to continue long-term with what they do. Hmm. Nice. And I, yeah. And I think that is part of specialty. Like if once you start experiencing it and you start being a part of the community, and you learn about the relationships, you learn about how everyone's contributing, you really start to understand how much effort is put in, then yeah, there's give and take in those relationships. It's, it's Correct. Uh, not absolutely. so black and white. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, this position that you are in, the role that you play in the current scenario, um, where you are in touch with farmers or producing coffees, uh, sticking to coffees, and then you are uh, you're having clients uh, at different places. What is the most amazing part of your role? And what is the most difficult part of your role? Oh, there's so many answers to that. I could I could give. I don't know if I can choose one. One. Um, so I'm a food trader, but but I'm talking to barista on bike. And- <laughs> It's about coffee, so I'm going to make it about that. I think the most amazing part of what I do is is that that connection to this coffee industry. Um, when I entered it, um, it while I was in Singapore, it was really at an open, sharing, friendly space, um, and and it was it was very motivating um, to enter into a community like that and for people to hear my story about food and health um, and to be able to kind of make that connection. Not everybody, most people have some resistance to talking about their health. You know, once you cross that line of, of saying, hey, this is good for your health, you know, like eat more alkaline foods, eat less acidic foods, those, those kind of things. It, there, there is some resistance to it. But at the same, like, I, I just feel so fortunate that the specialty coffee community, a lot of their approaches and how they shared information and how they experimented was exactly what I was doing for my health. It, it was the same kind of disciplined experimental trial way that I was doing. You see, you see, um, there is a brewer's logbook that's out there. That was basically how I did my journal for, for my health. Like I logged everything. I tracked it. I timed it. I wrote down how I was feeling. I wrote down what food I was eating. I was trying to understand like what nutrients were coming from which food and when I was eating it, how much I was eating, where I was getting my protein from, where I was getting my iron from, where I was getting all, all of these things from. And and the approach was so similar to how the, the extent of what, what the specialty coffee community does to try to understand what's going on with their coffee, what's going on with their roast, what's going on with their brew. So it was a really natural fit. And I just feel so fortunate that I could talk about health and, and food and relate it back to coffee 
and the drink with this kind of community. And it's not a stretch because it's just taking that one kind of, of chemistry driven approach and saying like, yeah, there's nutrition in that, like that, that flavor, that aroma that you're trying to unlock. It's actually nutrition that you're trying to unlock that liveliness that you're tasting in the cup. That's a sign of good, good soil, good soil, good plant growth a lot of liveliness and nutrition in the plant and in the coffee, and you're tasting that in your coffee, this is healthy for you. This is good for you. So I feel, yeah, I, I think it's really amazing that I could take something that I dedicated my life to when it comes to health and being able to apply that to these different kind of food in, industries, starting with coffee. Um, that being said, it take like, uh, hats off to all the people in specialty coffee and in coffee in general. I, I think the whole kind of industry and community, it takes a lot of discipline. It takes, it's a lot of effort and hard work. It's a constant learning cycle and it's, it's not for people who, you know, want to take a day off and and want to give up it, like it's for people it's for the people who say like I feel like giving up I want to take a day off but no I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to keep on I'm, I'm going to keep on going um, not to say that rest and relaxation isn't important is not important it is super important to to good health um, but just that mindset mindset of constant learning um, it, it's it's tough and it's it's a very i would say earnestly hard-working community and yeah. that it can be tough some days facing yeah, absolutely facing, facing so many obstacles and challenges keeping a business going earning an income dealing like again like a farmer's life is really hard as well dealing with right. all the environmental factors it's it's not easy so yeah being exposed to that and learning that I find it equally amazing, but equally difficult at yeah. the same time. So, Interestingly, yeah. uh, most people who look at the coffee industry from outside, mm -hmm. it mostly looks very shiny. It looks mm -hmm. like, oh, this is like a very nice industry. There is a roaster, he's making a lot of money. There is a barista who is cool, or there is a cafe owner who is was probably minting money because he has all this fancy stuff or there's this farmer who is staying inside this huge ass bungalow inside the estate and is probably making the money of the world. So there's a lot of uh, people who have this preconceived notion about people working. I mean, it, it is something that applies to a lot of industry, uh, mm -hmm. but so does with coffee and it, it kind of looks very uh, shiny from outside. It can be shiny for a lot of people and some for sure. But as you said, it's a lot of uh, work and how do you say a lot of hustle uh, behind in the background as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and we, I would give credit to a lot of hardworking people for giving it that kind of shiny complexion. The the <laughs> amount of photographers, like real professional photographers and, and and people who just taught themselves and became pro at it because they they taught themselves um they make coffee look good <laughs> they, <laughs> they can make it look really really good and really aesthetically pleasing 
but the the work it takes to know how to use a camera save up money to get the right lens you know you know get the right lighting equipment yep. understand all the technicalities of that even the camera person puts in so much effort and hard work and it's a craft it's an art yeah. in in what they do and they make us look good and i bless them for that but yeah it can give this <laughs> perception it can give a perception of like oh it's you know shiny and new and it looks great and people make good money they can afford all of these equipment yeah um, but a lot of times those people are you know hustling and working hard and saving up their money and spending it wisely so that yeah. they they can yeah. get Definitely. the tools that they need how do you how do you see the indian specialty market indian coffee specialty market or specialty coffee market um do in the next coming years when we when we are talking about the change that is going around in the world in general yeah uh, especially with things like you know arabica and robusta robusta getting a little more i don't know what term exactly to use because i don't know robusta is getting a little less defamed yeah That's the best i can use um and with the changes that's happening in general with experimental processes and all of those things how do you think the indian specialty coffee market is um going to go ahead in the next few years according to you right so i feel that in terms of a global stage a lot of people do like to think that not like to think I, a lot of people will say that we are younger in terms of a specialty market industry but i think i think specialty coffee specialty farming has existed for a long time in india it it's just been by choice low profile a lot of the times um and like i said you could take off that word specialty and go meet so many farmers that are doing things with a lot of care and and a lot of effort um and it it's been well defined in terms of the farming practices it's been very organized and i would say self organized by the the farming community by the industry and more noticeably probably like a couple decades back like 15 20 years back but even from the historical times late 1800s a lot of good records were kept in terms of the farming practices um and it it was passed on it was is discussed and you see a lot of that made available for us today to talk about coffee farming in india and the benefits of getting coffee from india with the shade grown practices just a basic standard thing across across so many regions here and the intercropping and i i just feel like it's it's been there and specialty farming has been around for for a long time here um that being said it, it's still a small percentage i think no matter where you go in the world and including india we follow that same trend it's it's like one maybe pushing 2% of the larger um coffee industry with commercial coffee in there as well and and specialty coffee will grow and and i i think by nature it will never become mass because right. like I, like i said it's it's then it's not going to be special anymore yeah it's not going to be special it's it's 
it's going to be, you know, this niche thing. And again, it is powered by having these small, medium businesses and these customers at home, home brewers who just, you know, love doing, love doing and experimenting and tinkering at home. That, that That's what powers the, the specialty community. Yeah. So it will grow, but I don't think it'll ever go to this like tipping point of becoming mass. Um, and, and I, I, I see it. I've moved here two years ago, but I was coming out regularly and obviously trying to keep an eye on things, even though I was living in Singapore and I could feel the difference year on year in terms of more farmers coming out and talking about specialty farming and saying like, Hey, like we're already doing this. We fit into that category. We we've got, um, we've got coffee that you guys will be interested in it and, and it'll be a nice fit. Um, roasters coming out more cafes, I think, thanks to you and the work that you've been, been doing cafes popping up around the city, equipment dealers, um, and being able to find equipment made locally, be able to import equipment from abroad. There's so much innovation going on around the world when it comes to, um, coffee equipment. And then even in like storage and packing and finding different ways to, to preserve the coffee and keep it in good condition as it travels from farm to whoever the end buyer is. I've, I've seen a lot of growth. I've, I've seen conversations changing, more relationships um, coming up as, as well. So I, I see the growth happening for sure. Okay. Nice. I have one question, which is related to a couple of things that you said a little earlier on. Mm -hmm. uh, so when we talk about, okay, this is just me asking a question. When we talk about food, let's say, which is a little more healthier or a little more beneficial to our health in general, yeah. is it, isn't it normally correlated with food that is more expensive? Well, I'm going to take it back to that confusing word that you used earlier, which was organic. Yeah. Yes, it is correlated, and it has it has become that way. I don't think it has to be. I don't think it should be. It makes it less accessible to people. Um, once you have to put a high price tag on things, there's a whole group of people. Um, in your society, in your economy that won't be able to access it just because of a price tag. Mm -hmm. and, and obviously there's a lot of hard work and costs when it comes to growing the food, packing the food, transporting the food. Um, and, and when you're exporting currency fluctuations to monitor, um, trade regulations to monitor, shipping prices to monitor and all, all of that. Um, but I think that's part of the job when it comes to contributing to a sustainable economy is to really roll up your socks and negotiate well and build relationships well to keep things at a fair and sustainable price all the way through so that we don't have to have high price tags for the end and customer just correct because, just but like even naturally. even like for even for a layman like some mm -hmm. like if i had to choose to eat today mm -hmm. um and let's say i badly make make my ends meet right 
if I go out in the evening today, I can get a nice dirty burger with probably a soda for 40 rupees or 45 rupees, which is pretty much nothing. But if I actually have to cook for my own self, right. I would end up spending more than that. And then on top of it, I have to go through the entire struggle of cooking and whatever that is. Right. Why is, I mean, this is something that does always bothered me, especially while I was in States, because you could get a dollar menu there and the dollar, you get an entire thing for a dollar. And then if you actually would like to eat something healthier, it's so expensive. And um, if I'm not wrong, there are a couple of, I don't know, uh, documentaries that was made on this particular subject uh, where people talk about this. But the same thing is happening here in India in general as well, right? I mean, it's just that... Fast food? Yes. Fast so how, cheap food? Exactly. Yeah. And, and how do you deal with it? I mean, because there's, there's something wrong somewhere, right? And it is just, it is just so difficult to get... Um, okay, forget organic. Just get like decent, good, grown food. Mm-hmm. compared to how we price the fast food. I mean, why do you think this disbalance is there in the society in general? That's a really hard one to crack. <laughs> it's, it is there and, exi- and it, it, it does exist. And I think the concept of it has benefit for people, right? Like not everybody lives a lifestyle and does work and has the means to cook at home and and find that time and do the grocery shopping and all all of that it is it is a lot of effort but at the same time like i i think it does take a lot of discipline and hard work and effort to get that routine built into your daily life as as well i don't think it's a luxury either that someone figures out how to cook at home for themselves it, yeah. it's a, a lot of hard work yeah. um it's, it's not it's not a luxury it's it's a lot of discipline and like I, i'm gonna figure this out and and time my grocery shopping budget budget my funds um you know schedule my schedule my days so that i can make cooking at home work um so by no means does it does it need to be looked at as a luxury either um, so I, I feel like um, when you use the word fast food, like being able to offer food to people at an affordable price and give them the nutrition that they need is a perfectly fine concept. <laughs> it, there, there's no problem with, with that. And, and although you're saying it is entering into India, I think there's a lot of longstanding affordable nutritious food outlets there in India that have stood the test of time mm-hmm. um, that can win out over you know fa- like these fast food chains Great. coming yeah. in because you could also go down the street and and um, like I, I could go down the street and get a meal that's nutritious and good for that same price of, of the fast food, like maybe 40 rupees, 50, 50 rupees. And instead of a burger, it's, it's a dosa 
with Correct. with um, sambar on yeah. the side or or you know breakfast you could get idli in the morning yeah. and all of that and so it, it exists and it's a perfectly fine concept and i think people need it great so one of the other reasons why i asked this question is don't you think people also associate the same with coffee that if it is supposed to be a good coffee it normally would be expensive I just don't believe it has to be that way. I I don't think it has to be so expensive for it to be good. I think it needs to be priced sustainably. And and if people are putting in a lot of effort and a lot of experiments uh, to give something unique that makes it a good coffee and it has to be done a certain way um to be able to kind of extract those flavors and and be that kind of experience and it's different and and unique and everybody's willing to contribute whether monetarily or or otherwise to have access to that then then sure um but i i don't think that should be a constant where where if we follow that train of thinking that good coffee costs more then we're inevitably going to keep going up 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 until people like only a small group of people can can afford right. it yeah. so i think a good cup of coffee should cost cost a fair price a decent a decent price um and people in effect should get paid a decent price all the way correct. Correct. through for their efforts and their work correct yeah nice No I I completely agree with you I I mean I'm on that side of it I mean in fact I think that there can be good coffee good coffee could be available at at roadside stalls serving filter coffees good coffees can yeah. be a lot more than just that one specialty cafe that we have in our head I think good coffee could have so much more than just what we have in our head in terms of Instagram and right. uh, i think i think it's just it's just it's just way of understanding what good coffee could be and is and uh, finding means to meet these good coffee in different places right and it kind of goes back to you mentioning robusta which i didn't specifically answer earlier um it it's the same thing there where if i tie it back to my work when it comes to food and health robusta has a lot to offer in in that respect it's it's got different characteristics it's got different kinds of nutrients people need need what's in robusta they want what's in robusta and it can be a really enjoyable cup of coffee as well it's just been perceived in a certain way and categorized into this less desirable kind of market for for itself and so uh did you use the word defamed earlier <laughs> right we're doing less defamed less defamed yeah less defamed kind of rebranding it repositioning it um and yeah when when you break it down to just kind of the the characteristics and the factors of it the elements of it it it's got a lot to offer and i think a lot of people's palates and preferences they, there are so many people that like robusta coffee um, and they don't even and, know that they like robusta sometimes yeah they just 
they just drink coffee and they do not know what coffee it is yeah and and most of the time it does happen to be robusta because of obviously also a lot of it has to do with the conditioning of how we started drinking coffee whether it's right. it, either a, a good instant coffee or a or, or the roadside roadside filter coffees most of it did have a lot of presence of robusta and we mm-hmm. our, our taste profile has been skewed towards um knowing that it's, it's it's that good taste but we just don't realize that it has been robust all the way and uh, only when somebody says it you either realize it or you're like oh no no way i i only drink arabica or like no i don't like robusta whatever it is and yeah i think that is changing as well as we speak and 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 i hope it does change further for the good uh, of what coffee has to offer yeah and and it reminds me of how like my journey got started in changing my relationship with food i i was i was cornering myself into eating only certain types of food and my senses started to reduce because of that i wasn't having enough variety i wasn't experiencing enough i didn't i didn't expose myself to different parts of the taste spectrums right and and when i you know started with ph but then also broadened out to to different areas my my senses changed and expanded and improved um for the better which is why which is why getting into specialty coffee was really good there's a lot of sensory training which is really helpful for your health you know like you want to you want to be able to smell the different varieties of aromas out there and you want to be able to taste the different flavors but that doesn't mean just a small set subset of flavors uh, or aromas it, it's like so much to offer there's so there's, much to dive into right and and there's so much nutrition in yeah. the bitter the bitter flavors in the astringent flavors in the different spices and the florals and the sweets and the acidics there's the the ones that might taste undesirable might actually have a lot of nutrition that your body needs for for you so pe- people might not like bitters um commonly they might think like oh bitter you, you think of bitter bitter soups and bitter gourd and bitter flavors and and it's not that desirable um but you need that taste balance like and and once you start to expand your senses and let your body kind of get used to all the different types of flavors and nutrition again it changes your yeah. your preferences start to change and at least for me i can't speak for everybody um but for me i started to want bitter tastes i i i wanted to have things that i traditionally didn't like eating and i didn't like the taste of i started to become fond of and and i would want it and it goes back to like your your body's howling at you to but isn't isn't this also what we call as the acquired taste because mm-hmm. that's what happens because that's exactly how we speak about when we are talking about let's say for example uh whiskey somebody drinking whiskey for the first time or oh, it's bitter as anything right. but then the person who likes whiskey would say oh it's an acquired taste right and we don't do that for a lot of other things that does not have alcohol Uh, yeah. <laughs> <kind of> weird. <laughs> right. So cool. one last thing. So if you if you had to I don't know just talk about like you know a takeaway in general for people who might be listening to this podcast 
if you had to talk about something in specific that would you like to, what would that be? Right. I think my last impression that I want to leave, particularly from a coffee perspective, is that that I feel the specialty coffee industry would not exist without the industry as a whole. And we have to remember that, um, that we sometimes call it, you could say bulk or, or commercial coffee, um, that specialty coffee's existence is on the basis of the industry as a whole existing. Um, we're here to kind of grow off of the industry as a whole. Um, I, I have an appreciation for it. Um, and that's why I, I try to not use the word specialty sometimes, because I, like I said, I, I, I think a lot of the work the farmers um, have done, we're building off of the work of that. And specialty exists, bulk exists, commercial exists. It, it all is kind of here together. Um, and these farmers have been growing for a long time and promoting good coffee of all types for a really long time. And again, those good practices um, that you see in specialty coffee and bulk coffee is all from shade grown coffee, is from intercropping, it's from having diversity of plants and trees and gardens. And it also makes for really good nutrition in all the coffee um, that we have. So I'm really eager to kind of keep exploring keep interacting, mm -hmm. learning, sharing with people in the whole community, the whole industry, yeah. Um, yeah. not just specialty coffee. So yeah, and, and, and not just coffee, but just in the food industry in, in general, which is what I always set out to set out to do, but definitely have a really special place in my heart for coffee, welcoming me with open arms <laughs> into the community to, to start out, start out with and being so friendly um, with me in it. So I'm very grateful for that. Nice. That was great. It was so, so great uh, to speak with you. And thank you very much for being on the show. I was really, really happy that I could finally get you here um, on record on the podcast. Uh, right. And uh, yeah, I hope people listen to this podcast and they do start thinking about uh, food and coffee in general with a little different mindset. And I, I think that that could help uh, a lot of people, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm very glad you found my story interesting. Like I said, not like not a lot of people want to get into the health aspect of it. Um, but I, I do feel like I really strongly feel like the, the coffee industry, that that's at the core of what everyone talking, what yeah. everyone's talking about. Um, and, and everyone's curiosity is just kind of leading into like, how does it interact? How does the water and the grinds and the yeah. way we roast, how does it all interact? And it's just one small step to say, well, then how does it interact with our body yeah. next? Right? Like we're, we're checking the, the nutrients of our water we're, we're adding minerals to our water. We're putting it in for a nicer brew. And it's one small step to think like, okay, how does it impact your, your body? And I think everybody's doing that. It's just that health can be a bit of a, like a taboo topic sometimes, or people just have that mentality of like, don't tell me what to do about my health <laughs> 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 kind of thing. So, 
so we have to find different ways to talk about it and and I find that specialty coffee is just naturally that and that whole kind of like passion and care for people in the community um you're definitely one of those people that I've met that is is kind of leading the way in that and it's such such a good thing to have a relationship with you it's really refreshing and rewarding to talk to people like you so I'm, I'm glad you invited me on um I hope it makes for a good edit I tend to talk too long sometimes so <laughs> I hope you can edit it down to some like short sweet snippets well so I, I I on the other hand I try not to edit at all I oh, like right. to keep it as raw as possible so that okay. a it is good for the listeners to feel that it's like a proper conversation right, right. b it is uh, less work yeah <laughs> <laughs> the honesty is really great yeah. okay. <laughs> cool so guys uh, that is it and that was the episode that we had for this week i hope you guys enjoyed um, this particular episode as well and if you did enjoy please do like share subscribe to the podcast um, and consider uh, leaving a review on the apple podcast or the spotify or wherever you're listening your current podcast it would really mean a lot to me and would help me reach more people uh, if you do have any suggestions or feedback please do get in touch with me via my instagram dm um, or just an email or whatsapp uh, if you have my number thank you very much for your support so far keep safe uh, stay healthy drink a lot of coffee and like always let's make coffee simple